I'm going to be preaching tonight from Acts chapter 2. And I want us to start off the service kind of imagining. Truly setting our hearts in our imagination. Imagine being a part of the original New Testament church. Imagine being a part of the crowd or, be, or being a disciple walking around with Jesus as he teaches, as he heals. Imagine the wonder. Could this be the Messiah? They're saying he's the Messiah. Could he be the Savior? Could this be our King? Allow yourself to imagine being in the crowds that followed. Maybe you were one of the people that received a touch from him that he laid hands on and you were healed and you were changed. And then imagine the abruptness of an illegal arrest. Imagine when they seized Jesus and he was tried and they amplified everything so that they could convict and crucify him before the sun went down on Friday. And imagine the hope and expectation. If this is him, surely he he won't die on that cross. And imagine him drawing his last breath, him crying out to the Lord. And Jesus being on that cross and dying. Imagine that you were there. Imagine Saturday getting up and saying, I heard he died, but it can't be true. And walking past the tomb and knowing in that tomb that is guarded by Roman soldiers, in that tomb is Jesus and he is dead. And then maybe Sunday. You're still struggling with it. And you walk by again. But this time there's no soldiers. This time the big rock has been moved away. And this time the tomb is empty. Could it be? And then imagine for the next 40 days. You see Jesus once again. Differences. Differences. Heck for crying out loud. John didn't even recognize him. And John was beloved to him. Risen, resurrected, resurrected, glorified Savior. He kept the scars in his hands as identifiers. But for 40 days, he walked and he talked and he ate and he met. Want to grab lunch? Let's do lunch. Anyone else? Lunch. For 40 days. Then imagine the ascension. Really, imagine the ascension. You're standing there. Jesus gives us some parting instruction. And yep, that is happening. He is going up. There he goes. No strings. And next thing you know, a a cloud envelops him and he's gone. Now, in your imagination, it can be really slow. Some of you can be like, it's really slow. It's really slow. I kind of envision it like 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 a slow rocket. I mean, just... You know, a little bit of explode. I don't know. That's just my imagination. You know. 
But before Jesus ascended, he gave his followers his last instructions. So let's read from Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But, an awesome but, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on and a cloud received him out of their sight. Can we imagine that? Acts chapter 1, verse 15, tells us that there were 120 disciples, family, friends, and followers of Jesus, and they came together, and they were led by Peter in setting in another apostle to take the place of Judas, and that was Matthias. 120 people. And then it says they gathered in the upper room to wait. I love the fact that it's not just 12 disciples who met in an upper room and met. I love that it's not just 12 disciples and Mary and Mary and... I love the fact that the followers of Jesus, and it says in that verse that there were 120, that they were all together and they waited. And they waited. And they waited 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 and they waited. That should have been ten waits. They waited for ten days. We know they waited for ten days because we know that that Jesus died on the cross before sundown on Friday, before the Passover. And then fifty days later, the word Pentecost speaks of fifty, penta. It was fifty days from the Passover. We know that Jesus was in the tomb for two days. He rose on the third day, but died on a Friday, rose on a Sunday, I mean, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three, but still two days. Spent 40 days on the earth. So we're looking at roughly 10 days of waiting. And I'm not great at math, but that one, you know, more or less 10 days, I'm good with that. Ten days of waiting in an upper room together. Being obedient to the instructions of the Lord. Wait, because the Holy Spirit will be sent to you to baptize you with power. I hope, I hope everyone who started in that room in day one finished in that room in day ten. I hope no one grew weary of waiting. I hope, I hope they had an equivalent of deodorant. I mean, ten days together, you know. I hope they didn't allow anything to distract them or to make them grow weary in their waiting on the promise of God. 
at the end of the better part of ten days. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, we see the fulfillment of promise of what Jesus said. Acts 2, 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. When I read that, I'm hopeful that all those who started the journey into the journey, because it says, when they all, they all together, They were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit was giving them utterance. Can you imagine that? We better stretch our imagination and grab a hold of this and personalize this. Can we imagine the culmination of ten days of waiting and the promise of God entering that room like a mighty, violent, rushing wind? Some translations say mighty, rushing wind. I like violent, rushing wind. That is awesome. And then the empowering as the Holy Spirit descends upon, falls upon each one of them. every one of them, and then the representation of His power coming forth and them speaking in tongues. Then, the overflow of that moment. As you're studying this week, I encourage you to study. I stopped at verse 4. There was overflow that took place. It started in that room, but it didn't, it wasn't contained in that room. It started there. But in order for thousands to hear the word of God preached, it had to leave that room. There was overflow as they left the room demonstrating in boldness what Jesus had promised. You will be bold witnesses and your reach will expand to the ends of the earth. And Peter... The same Peter who 50 days earlier denied, denied, denied and then fled. The same Peter who feared for his life stands before thousands and preaches a Jesus message that saw the salvation of over 3,000. Read the sermon he preached. Friends, one of the benefits of being empowered by the Holy Spirit is the ability to get up, and no matter where you are, no matter where the circumstance, to preach Jesus Christ. Read the message he preached. Jesus, 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 Jesus. He preached Jesus. And the result, thousands gave their lives to him. Fifty days ago, from right now, was November 21st, a week before Thanksgiving. Imagine how that was just yesterday. I still remember loading my plate for the fourth or fifth time. 
A week before Thanksgiving was 50 days ago from now, the 21st. And imagine these things that we mentioned happening in that short span. I mean, the holidays were a blur. They came and went, and they... I'm glad they came and went. I'm glad that normalcy has returned. But that wasn't that long ago. Imagine those 50 days. But imagine that 50th day and the the start of something incredible and amazing in the church from that day with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Still in Acts chapter 2, I'm skipping all the way down to verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to Tonight's preach is going to be about what are we devoting ourselves to? What are we devoting ourselves to? What are we continually devoting ourselves to? Not just a one-time thing. What is the continuous pattern of devotion in our life? What do we give our devotion and our heart and our attention to? What do we give access in our lives to? Just for everyone's knowledge, when, when I, when I plan this preach, I don't ever, 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 ever call up anyone on the worship team and say, this is what I'm preaching. This is what I want you to, these are the songs I want you to do. Ever. I trust the Holy Spirit to speak to them. They put together the song list. They, it's, it's on them. I put together the preach. Or, or if someone else is preaching, they put together the preach. Whoever's over here manning the mic and, and the Lord gets a word. We don't ever say, this is going to be the theme for the night. So really ask the Lord if something you know falls along with that theme that we have come up with. It doesn't happen that way. The Lord orchestrates everything. Why? Because He can. Because He's awesome. Because He's mighty. We're the ones that minimize what God can do. But our God is a big God. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. I love that. Oh my gosh, I love that. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Friends, our relationship with Christ is not about getting a high, just getting a getting a fix of the Holy Spirit and having these, you know, these patterns of, of temporary highs. We can continually be in awe of an awesome God. We can live our live our lives in continuation, being in awe of Him. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together. And had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions. And they were sharing them with all. As anyone might have need. Day by day. Daily. Daily. Continuing. With one mind in the temple. And breaking bread. From house to house. I'm curious. The the one mind. You know. Going to the temple. Here we see a pattern. Of worshiping God. At the temple. And worshiping God in homes. You know. we, We see. Maybe something, you know, the, the more formal and then the more casual. And I'm really curious what they did at the temple. I kind of figured they, they did one of two things. They were either there at the temple preaching or they were there at the temple for prayer. But I'm certain what they weren't doing at the temple. No longer making sacrifices. Because trust me, this church was well aware that Jesus Christ was the atonement 
for their sins. That a sacrifice of a lamb or a sheep or a goat or a dove was no longer needed. They were aware of that. Think about the last 50 days they had spent and the foundation they were moving forward on. So I'm certain of that. They weren't giving sacrifice at the temple, but were they preaching? Maybe. Maybe. We'll see later on that there was ridiculous growth, daily growth in the church. Continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love that as well. It doesn't say their marketing efforts resulted in people being added day by day. It doesn't say they were so big-hearted and so loving that the church grew day by day. Where does where does growth come in the church? From the Lord. It's His church. It's His church. The Lord was adding to their number day by day. In this passage here, we see four vital things that the early church devoted themselves to. Number one, the apostles' teaching. Number two, they devoted themselves to fellowship. Number three, they devoted themselves to prayer. And friends, when it talks about prayer in this passage, it's not talking about, this is talking about what they devoted themselves to together. Every one of these things is what they did together. This is not talking about your prayer life and your prayer closet. This is talking about an amazing thing that happens when people come together as a corporate body in prayer. And we saw it Wednesday night and Brad talked about it. It was awesome. This Wednesday is going to be awesome too. And then four, they devoted themselves to the sharing of Jesus that resulted in ridiculous growth. Verse 42 again, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. those early disciples, those early followers, they received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, correct? It is, it's not, it's not a trick question. I mean, I just got done reading it. I just got done talking about it. That's, we'll do it again. So the, the early disciples, the early followers, they, they received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, correct? Yes. The Spirit of Truth, Right? But did they conclude after receiving the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit was the only teacher they needed? They just received the Holy Spirit. who It, it was promised by Jesus that, they would, that the Holy Spirit would guide them into all truth pertaining Jesus Christ and His obedience to the Father and the things He did. The Holy Spirit would guide them into all truth. So after receiving the Holy Spirit, did they conclude that He was the only teacher that was needed? No. Did they do away with human teachers? No. 
They sat at the apostles' feet, hungry. With a hunger to learn. With a hunger to grow. To receive instruction. And they devoted themselves to it. And as a result, they grew. But it wasn't just the apostles' teaching that made... It wasn't just their teaching that made them authentic. We see that many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Friends, we see in this passage when we devote ourselves to to the, the teachings of the Lord. And just so you know, the apostles were teaching about Jesus. The apostles were there. They were there with Jesus. It, to the point that when, when Judas hung himself and they needed to replace it, one of the requirements was we must choose someone who was there from the day that he was baptized till today. The apostles were teaching Jesus. That's what their teachings were. And when we devote ourselves to the teachings of Jesus and we are hungry, friends, we put ourselves in a fantastic situation to see the miraculous. We put ourselves in a wonderful situation to see signs and wonders. Do we devote ourselves to the words and the instruction of the Lord? Do we continually devote ourselves to it? What would the results be if each one of us in this room devoted ourselves to sitting at the feet of Jesus, hungry for His instruction, and then when we receive that instruction, we do it. We're just crazy enough to do what he says. What would the result be? What would the results be in our marriages? What would the results be with our families? What would the results be in the workplace? What would the results be in our communities and in our homes and in this church? You know, there's often a saying that's used as a taunt. It's used as a dig. Practice what you preach. And rightly so. We saw it from the apostles here. They sat and talked about the wonders and the might and the miracles of Jesus Christ and then they demonstrated them. They practiced what they're preaching. If I'm going to preach on the love of Jesus Christ, I better be demonstrating it. If I'm going to be preaching on the grace of God, I better be demonstrating it. If I'm going to preach that our God is still a healer, I better be quick to lay hands on the sick and believe that they will be healed. If I believe that Jesus Christ is our deliverer, I better have the faith to say, He can deliver you from whatever bondage you are in. And it doesn't take a multi-step program, even though I... Praise God for multi-step programs, but He can do it right now. He can annihilate those chains in your life. I don't care if they're emotional or mental or physical or if there's an addiction. He is bigger. And I better believe it and I better let my demonstration back up what I'm preaching. Do we devote ourselves to sitting at the feet of an awesome God, hungry, and searching His Word for instruction. There was the theme of of hunger tonight in worship. 
All I want is you. I hunger and thirst for you. Think about the things that we do when we're hungry. It's business time. When it's, when we're hungry, it's like, it's, I am playing. I am playing right now. I've got to eat. I will drive faster. I will, I will, I will make compromises and eat whatever. I will eat grape nuts, which is the worst thing ever made. Gosh, that's horrible. Grape nuts. I'm, communists came up with grape nuts. Not an American. Ain't no way. But think about when we're hungry, the urgency that we live our lives with. When we are thirsty. That's how we're supposed to live our lives towards Jesus Christ. If we want to live our lives with a continuing sense of awe and joy and satisfaction, then our hunger for the goodness of God found in His presence must never cease. I want to be in the presence of God all the time. I want God to have access to my life all the time. I don't care what I'm doing. I want Him there. What do we see in this devotion to the Apostles' teaching? Number one, we see that the church was a learning church. They were a learning church. Friends, let's be a learning church. Number two, the early church devoted themselves to fellowship. Verse 42 again, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. This devotion to fellowship shows us that the church was a loving church. We are called to generously live life together. Generously. In fellowship, in love, in generosity. And we're called to do it together. I got a lot of friends and I got a lot of acquaintances and I got a lot of people that I know. I, I know a lot of people. And I know too many people that say, I can do church at home. There's a wonderful preacher I turn to every week. I can do church at home. No, you can't. You can hear the word of God at home. But you can't do church at home alone. That is bull. We're never called to do it alone. We are not called to do it alone. We are called to do it together and to do it together generously. But we don't do it together oftentimes because we've been hurt. Or we've been disappointed. Or we've been betrayed. Or we've been wounded. Whatever it is. So there's times we choose not to do life together, but to do it at home on our couch, in our robe, with a cup of coffee and the remote. And I, hey, I am all I am all in favor of man. Get the word of God. Someone preaching on TV. If you find someone that's preaching Jesus, listen to them. You got a podcast or a sermon or something, listen to it. But friends, we are called to do church together, and it's worth the risk. But we better have the understanding that doing church together, we're going to see the good, the bad, the ugly. And none of us in this room are perfect. None of us. 
And in the midst of, of our flaws, there's times we're going to lack grace or lack love or lack patience or lack understanding. We are. It's going to happen. But we're still called to do it together. Why? Because when one of us, when one of us shows a lack of understanding or a lack of grace or compassion or patience, there's the opportunity for someone else to demonstrate love, grace, understanding, compassion. In the midst of lack, there's abundance. Why? Because we live our lives through Christ Jesus. We're called to do it together. And we can't just be open to fellowship, right? I'm open to a little fellowship. Uh, let's give it a shot. we got to be devoted to it. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to fellowship. They were committed to it. I'm perfectly okay with, with knowing that, that in this room there are stories that, that I can point to of where there has been offense or hurt or disappointment. Perfectly fine with that. As long as we're devoted to each other in fellowship, where that we give the Lord the opportunity to be big and bring healing and to show grace and to ask forgiveness and to freely give forgiveness and to grow together. When I was a server, when I was a banquet server, I made the most tips. I made the biggest tips when I somehow blew it earlier in the meal. Uh, young man, you told me you'd bring my chicken a la king. I don't know. You know, something. And uh, it's still not here. Oh my gosh, sir, I am so sorry. Oh, please sit tight. I'll go get it right now. And you go get it. And hey, I want to get, you know, desserts on me. What can I get you for dessert? And let me fill your water 17 times and your coffee 25 times. And in the night, I'd have a ridiculous tip. I, I kind of, every now and then, would mess up just in hopes. That, but it never really worked out that way. Only when it happened, like, authentically. So we shouldn't go around purposely hurting one another. But when we do, there's the opportunity for grace and forgiveness and to grow even closer together for our bond to be strengthened. But we've got to be devoted to fellowship. So how do we love one another? Have you guys ever heard of the five love languages? Anyone ever heard of that? Back in the 90s, Gary Chapman wrote a book, talked about the five heartfelt ways to express your love to your husband, to your wife, and to show your commitment to your spouse based on how they receive love. And so the five love gifts were, love languages were gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and physical touch. It's a good book. Good application. Good thoughts. But clearly, this is meant for husbands and wives and not for the church. If one of you jokers comes up to me and says, Mark, my love language is physical touch and gifts, then you will receive a physical touch that's not necessarily loving. And it'll be a different kind of gift. It works with wives and husbands. But these aren't the love languages that we will grow in fellowship with, with one another. So how do we show love to one another? Well, it kind of starts with the first thing the church devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves 
to the demonstration and the teaching of Jesus Christ. If we want to know how to love one another and how to fellowship one another and be devoted to it, it starts with that first one. We seek Jesus. Around Christmas time, you might you know, see a, something on Facebook or a bumper sticker saying that wise men still seek Jesus today. We seek Jesus. We dig into his word. We see what it says. We, we, we look for his instruction and then we do the craziest thing. We obey it. We believe it. We demonstrate it. Fellowship. Devoted to one another in fellowship. You know, none of us have endless time. I have 24 hours every day. You have the exact same amount of time. But, I don't care how busy I get, I can look at my calendar and say, hey, it's not this week, but next Tuesday and Wednesday, are you free for a cup of coffee? Let's go grab a cup of joe. I've got time for, for a cup of coffee. I don't have money for dinner, but i got money for, for a tall black cup of coffee. Or, forget coffee, come to my house, let's sit down. I've got wonderful tap water. We've, we all have the same limitations on the time we have. What do we do with it? Because we're called to live life generously. So friends, we've got to make time for one another. We've got to, we've got to be devoted to it. To make time. Not to just wait for it to, to fall upon us. To make time. To be intentional about it. But we're called to do life together. To be a loving church. I don't want to rush through these four things. So next week I want to teach the other two things that I mentioned. Next week I'll cover those two areas of devotion that we are called to emulate, to follow. We see that we're called to be a learning church. We see in this passage that the New Testament church demonstrated to us that we're to be a loving church. Next week we're going to cover being a worshiping church and being an evangelistic church. We're going to see that there's not daily growth in the church if we aren't generous with our lives outside these walls as well if we're not generous in our expression of love to the Lord. Tonight in worship, we have the opportunity to generously express an openness and a need and a want for the Lord. And he responded. How many people through that opening up of their hearts were touched by the Lord tonight? I know I was. Before we close... I want us to imagine a little bit more. Imagine yourself 
being a part of the most impacting move of God in the history of the church. Imagine yourself being a part of a move of God where thousands upon thousands are touched and changed and healed and set free and you're you're a part of it. Imagine staying hungry for the goodness of God and having it no other way. Having it no other way. Lord, I don't ever want to be satiated. I don't ever want to be filled, Lord. I I want this hunger of you. I want to pursue you with hunger, Lord. But knowing that in his goodness, that he, he makes feast available to us so that we get our fill. Imagine being a devoted part of church where grace freely goes both ways. Where love freely goes both ways. Where encouragement freely goes both ways. Where you're not just doing church one day a week, but we're doing church every day because we're doing it together. And it's not just about the worship service, it's about doing life together. Imagine living our lives with a continuing sense of awe that they did. A continuing sense of joy and satisfaction because we live our lives in the presence of God. Now, let's stop imagining it. Let's stop imagining it. And let's do it. Let's be this church now. Now. Devoting ourselves because we serve a God who is so amazing we can trust every instruction He gives. Let's pray.